0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Hello, this is Nick Augustine here with attorney Mark Strogins of Rule Scroggins PLLC, divorce and family law firm in Dallas, serving Dallas, Denton, and Collin counties. This is the Rule Strogins Family Law Podcast series featuring news and information in Texas divorce and family law. Today, we're talking about creative custody and possession schedules with Mark Scroggins. A few of the points that we'll cover in our 30-minute discussion today are how the historic standard custody and possession order does not work for everyone, how 50-50 custody arrangements do offer good opportunities for some for co-parenting, yet some have uh, wished there was a little bit more. Um, So we're also going to talk about alternative custody arrangements with flexibility for children and parents and everything that's in the best interest of children. We'll also talk about accommodations for grandparents and other factors, again, such as job changes that require flexibility, and we'll talk about child support and some other collateral issues that could be impacted by custody and possession schedules and changing them, I suppose also modification. I'm here with board certified in family law attorney Mark Scroggins. He's an aggressive and experienced trial attorney with a sound understanding of business matters that serves him well in family law. He's an accomplished speaker and author and has participated and practiced family law throughout the state of Texas for over 20 years. He's written about family law matters for Texas Lawyer Magazine and other numerous periodicals. And has spoken about litigation technology and family law matters before numerous organizations and corporate clients. All right, we are, before we get moving here, just a general disclaimer. that's a general information program. This program is not legal advice. Listening to the program does not create attorney client relationships. And for more information, call Rule Scroggins. Their number is 214 578 0941. All rights this broadcast are reserved, and it's time to say hello to Mark Scroggins. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you, Mark? You know, I am happy that it's about to be the start of college football season. This is a good thing. How yeah, does it absolutely. Tie in with- <laughs> and it ties in with family law, because who doesn't like watching football with mom and dad, or dad, or mom, or mom and dad, and grandpa, or whomever's around? There you go, exactly, exactly. All right. So we're going to talk today about changing up how we look at standard possession orders and regular uh, possession schedules and custody as uh, more and more people talk about uh, what's in the best interest of children, being with mom, being with dad, co-parenting, different alternatives to conflict. Um, Right. There are so many people out there who are – Thought leaders and thinking outside the box and trying to come up with creative solutions that work for people. And the reality is, today's world is complex. A lot of people, some people have flexibility in their jobs, great flexibility. Other people don't. So, how do we, how do we organize all this so that our children grow up and we can be great co-parents and um, have some flexibility? So, really, creativity with child rearing and parents in divorce and family law is really our focus here and being creative. So let's just kind of, kind of dive in here for the benefit of maybe someone who's never worked with or has never experienced, um, custody and possession schedules. Tell us about the historic standard possession order, how that works and, uh, why it might not be the best fit for everybody out there. Sure. Um, well, let me give a, I guess, a little,
0: uh, a little of the history here, and uh, and add something to it. The the presumption in Texas is that parents should be named joint managing conservators, okay. And the the presumption in Texas is that the minimum possession that a parent should have is a standard possession order, okay. Now, you really have two different, well, one standard possession order, but but there's kind of a second one that is generally referred to as having expanded standard. A standard possession order is every Thursday during the school year from 6 to 8 p.m. and every first, third, and fifth weekend from Friday at 6 to Sunday at 6, okay? Uh, then you also have uh, alternating an alternating holiday schedule. So you would have uh, one, one year you would have Thanksgiving from the time that uh, – well depending on if you have expanded or not uh generally 6 p.m on the day that that school is out uh return at 6 p.m on that sunday after uh after thanksgiving and then you would have from the time or from 6 p.m on the day until noon on the 28th or uh for christmas one year the next year you would have from noon on the 28th till 6 p.m on that sunday and then you would alternate uh spring break as well, and then you have a 30-day 30, 30 block during the summer. Now, with expanded, expanded is good for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is obviously that it gives more time. It, it gives more overnights to uh, the person who does not establish the primary domicile of the ch- uh, child or, in, in normal parlance, the person who is not primary if they are JMCs. Um, and what that does is instead of picking up at 6 on, say, Thursday it allows you Thursday from the time school is out and return to school the next day. And then on the weekends, instead of picking up at six and returning at six on Sundays, it allows you to pick up from school at the time school is out on Friday and return to school the following Monday. So you can see by doing that, it gives a significant amount of extra time. It adds in two additional overnights and one of the other advantages of it frankly, in, uh, you know, cases where there's a high level of animosity, which seems to be the vast majority of the, uh, I'd say 99% of the cases that I am hired on, uh, you know, the parents don't have to interact. So you don't have these problems with the exchanges, uh, which is fantastic. So you don't have to worry about anybody making snide remarks or looking at somebody the wrong way or, or anything like that. And then that Pick up from school, return to school, you know, goes, goes right along with Thanksgiving and Christmas and spring break. So you would pick up at the time they're released for Thanksgiving. You would return them to school the day that they, re- they go back to school, whether it's that Monday after, Tuesday after, whatever. Uh, then with, with uh, Christmas, it would be the same thing. Time they're released for, for Christmas break uh, till noon on the 28th. The other year, it's from noon on the 28th till they go back to school that Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is. So, and then same thing on, uh, you know, spring break, and then summer's a different animal. You know, you got to remember that Thursdays fall off during, uh, during the summer, and you can exercise that 30-day possession as long as parents are within 100 miles. It goes up to 42 days if they're, uh, if they're more than 100 miles apart, uh, but you can exercise that 30-day period of possession, or you can break it up into, uh, into a cu- couple of, say, two-week possessions, or 15-day possessions, uh, if you want to, but that's all dependent upon providing notice by by April 1, and then the other party, the primary person, has the ability to also schedule a weekend and typically schedule an extended period uh, for themselves, not of 30 days, but generally either seven or 14, depending on what you uh, you know what y'all talk about. Uh, that would be designated by April 15th. So. That is basically the standard possession order. And I probably talked real fast and probably went, you know, right past So <laughs> I was people, say, to,
1: easy, easy yeah, for those, you to say. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this You know, this the first time while, through so. that's got to be just, a, you know, a, a lot. To, that is, but, I, you know, it's a good thing, Mark, I suppose, this uh, avoiding the conflict as a drop-off and, and, uh, and, and whatnot. I, and I can see how many people like this. Before we move on to some of the other custody arrangements, How hard is it Mm -hmm. for someone who with a standard order to go to the expanded standard order if they say, hey, that's a much better deal for me?
0: Well, I mean, it it all depends. Okay, if the if the court orders standard possession order, the for a party, that party has the right to make the election at that time to go to expanded. Okay, now the court can also order that no, 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 we're not going to expanded. We're you know keeping it exactly where it is. But if the court does not do that, it is up to the party. They have the they have the ability to make that election at the time of the ruling. But they need to make it at the time of the ruling, or they lose they lose that option. Um, so so it's not difficult, um, depending on what the facts are. But there are there are plenty of times that you know one party is making an allegation. Hell, both parties can be making allegations, uh, you know, against the other that well they shouldn't even have that much time. You know, he or she wasn't that involved. I was the primary caregiver you know they didn't really do that much or they've got this issue or they've got that issue and so one of the things i've really you know tell my clients is you know be careful what you ask for because you just might get it you know and so you really need to think long and hard about if you are trying to restrict the amount of time that the other parent has because one it's an uphill battle um but number two you know you don't uh you're know, you going to have more, if if you restrict from expanded to to just a regular standard possession order, you are going to have more interaction with that now ex-spouse or seem to be ex-spouse that you can't stand. Uh, And it increases the likelihood of, you know, everything continuing to escalate. And my experience, both personally and professionally, is that time is the great healer. I mean, the farther you can get people away from each other, so that the wounds can heal and they don't have to act like jackasses, the better everybody is off. You know, I, it it just works out so much better. So, you know, you go from people who are used to seeing each other or interacting at least weekly, if not more than weekly to, you know, Hey, they've gone months without seeing each other, maybe except for, you know, if there's been a parent teacher conference or, you know, there's been a, an extracurricular activity. You know, Bobby's playing football or Jane's playing volleyball and they see each other there that you know, they've gotten away from from each other. And so those those uh, emotions tend to cool and people, you know, start acting better instead of being at their worst. They might not be at their best, but they're you know, they're far from at their worst. And that's that's better not only for their own emotional well-being, but it's a hell of a lot better for the kids, which frankly, is what the courts are concerned about, you know, rather than the the individual parents. Mm
1: -hmm. That makes so much sense. So much sense. So, moving on to 50-50 custody arrangements, how is that, Mm -hmm. you know, that seems to be the sort of the the second round um, of options for people, and some people like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some, it doesn't, you know, work, but um, and after that, we'll talk about more alternative uh, coasting ranges of flexibility. But um, what is, what are your thoughts on 50/50? How uh, how many people are asking for this? Um, how new is this? How new or how established is this? Really, I know people moving from some states. Uh, it's more popular to have fifty-fifty, and so they're not going to have an expectation of that. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of the fifty-fifty custody arrangements, and what do you tell your clients about that? Fifty-fifty uh, is, uh, you know, it's much more common than it was, say, ten years ago um,
0: or fifteen years ago. Um, but I mean, you still have to look at, you know, what the uh, what the history has been. You know, and how how much excuse me, how much each parent has been involved if they've been separated for a period of time, what possession have they had in place during that period of separation, um, you know, and what the party's uh, involvements are. And they're a whole litany of different, you know, 50-50s, so to speak. Uh, what works better with young kids doesn't work as well with old kids. Um, you know, younger kids tend to do better with having frequent, uh, frequent access to both parents. So, you might see instead of I think what most people think of when they think of 50-50, they think of a, a week-on, week-off possession schedule. And that, I think, works better with older kids where, um, you know, they know this week they're at mom's and next week they're at dad's. And uh, they've got, you know, say junior high uh, junior high and older, you know, junior high and, uh, and high school, and especially once they're – you know, they have their car and their mobile and all that. It's a whole different thing. I mean, everything's kind of out the window because the kids are going and doing, doing their own thing. Um, but 50 50 in that uh, week on week off is pretty good. I mean, you've got the same thing where, you know, it's, it's pick up from school, return to school, and there's very little interaction. So it's good from that standpoint. And the kids don't feel like they're being shuffled back and forth as much with younger kids where they really need to see, um, see both parents. I mean, they're, um, different variations of what I will call a, uh, a two, two, three, or, or some people call it a two, five, two schedule. And it would be like, um, you can have it either static or rotating. So uh, I think the static is easier for a child to understand where they're going to be. So a static version would be say, mom has the kids on Monday, Tuesday, uh, dad has the kids on Wednesday, Thursday, and then they alternate weekends. So one weekend, Mom is going to have the kids from, you know, Friday through until Wednesday morning. And then the next time, uh, you know, dad is going to have the kids from Wednesday to Monday morning. So it goes back and forth like that. And that promotes both parents spending, uh, you know, 50% of the time with the kids. And the kids never go longer than five days without, without seeing a parent. And they have uh, an extended amount of time with the parents, even in off weeks, you know, so they've got at least a 48 hour period. So that's, that tends to work better with younger kids Then there's some that, you know, uh, where it just outright um, it's swapped. So that would be, you know, a two, two, three, where say you go, mom has Monday, Tuesday, dad has Wednesday, Thursday, mom has Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So then the next, you know, the next week it's dad has Monday, Tuesday, mom has Wednesday, Thursday. So,
1: you know, it rotates
0: like that, that can work. um, That can work a little better even with, with younger kids because then you only go three days at the most without, without seeing a parent Um, older kids that need a little bit more, I don't want to say a little more structured because that's really not the right way of putting it, but a little bit more structure as far as looking at a calendar and being able to see what it is and go, oh, it's Monday. I know where I'm going to be instead of, well, I could be at Mons or it could be at Dad's. I'm I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So, um, so I think you've got, those are the three main varieties of that. So the rotating two, three, two or two, two, three, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, generally the youngest that a 225 is going to be a little older than week on week off is going to be older. Now, having said that, um, I think the one that you see the most variation with or that is applied more across age groups is just a flat week on week off. Um, And it, it just all depends on the kids, you know, and it depends on if there have been any other issues and if they're you know any experts that have gotten in and spent any time with the kids to see what they, what the kids' needs are as it relates to you know each, each parent. So anyway, that is a, you know that's kind of a general of what a 50/50 is and how it works. It has mm-hmm. definitely become a whole lot more common. But once again, I mean you've got the same issues that you've got in any custody case where you're looking at uh, what the, per, what the parental involvement has been in determining if that is in the best interest of the kids, which, you know, best interest of the child is always the, always the standard that's going to apply in, in everything you do in family law.
1: Mm-hmm. With the, with the 50, 50 splits, as you described them, what happened to summer mm-hmm. and holidays again? It depends. It, it see, that's
0: the, that's the thing. It all depends. I mean, Typically, you are going to have, uh, you know, you're going to want to have an extended period of possession during the summer. You know, maybe it's two weeks. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, each one has a month. Uh, you know, it, it varies. Lots of people just keep it at straight up, you know, week on week off uh, going year round, or we'll switch to adding uh, that over the summer with younger kids. So it just, it all depends. It's not something that is, um uh, that you will find in the Texas Family Code, okay, as to, uh, you know, how to put that in place. So it's all mm-hmm. about thinking outside the box and crafting a schedule that works in, in the particular matter. So it really is all on a case-by-case uh, basis.
1: Okay, well let's talk about that then So we're going to say let's go scrap all the rules And we're going to throw everything up in the air See where it lands Put the puzzle pieces together in a way that Mom likes it, dad likes it, kids like it So and we hear more about these alternative custody arrangements with flexibility, what does that mean, and how do some of these, how do you start designing one of these? Do you, you know, do you go, do you first look at mom and dad's jobs, or what they're doing, or where the kids are in school? Uh, What are some, I guess, do you start with a foundation, build from there? How does that all work?
0: I guess the answer is yes,
1: all of those. All right.
0: Uh, So. Uh, generally, I think what you, what you tend to see is, is something that is crafted along the idea of a standard possession order, okay? Examples of jobs where you see this kind of thing are uh, police officers, firefighters, pilots, uh, flight attendants, you know, things like that where you have someone that uh, – nurses, doctors, that kind of thing where their schedule rotates, you know, they have call, maybe they're on call for, you know, 48 hours or, or they're on, I guess on call is a way to put it anyway. They're, they're in service for 48 hours, you know, whether that is they're flying for that period of time, you know, and then they're back for three days. So a lot of the time what you will do is you will try to craft a, a weekend, so to speak, won't actually fall on a weekend. You know, maybe dad doesn't fly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then he's out, you know, Thursday, Friday, uh, you know, comes back, comes back Saturday. So he's got a Saturday that's acting like a Thursday. But basically what you do is you are looking at the particular schedules and it's all based on notice, uh, notice provisions. So you get your uh, schedule, say, you know, we're coming up on September. So let's say September one, I'm going to get my schedule for October. Okay. Or maybe it's for six weeks. Okay. Uh, that that starts, you know, October 1 and runs, let's just say a month, just to try to make it easier, that runs for a month. So I know what my schedule is. I provide notice to my my spouse or former spouse as to, okay, here's what my schedule is. Here here is when I want to exercise these periods of possession. And you've got it built in as to, uh, into the, the possession schedule as to how much notice you have to provide and then what you can designate as your time based on that schedule. So trying to provide any kind of outline as to, you know, this is what it is in stone. It just doesn't operate that way. It's very, um, you know, like I said, it's really all based on, uh, it's really all based on notice provisions that you're going to provide based on the schedules you receive. And it might be that, you know, uh, the person who has the jacked up schedule is going to be able to to exercise two quote-unquote weekend periods of possession that you're going to designate as uh, 48 hours of uninterrupted uh, time with the kids. And they can, you know, designate that any time during that month, um, you know, depending on what their schedule is. And then they're going to be able to, exercise an additional four individual 24-hour periods of time based on their schedule, or maybe it's five, you know, or maybe it's six. So everything's, you know, everything's negotiable on that. But if you're trying to do something um, that is kind of akin to a, to a standard possession schedule, what you would do is the, you know, the, uh, a 48-hour or 72-hour period uh, twice a month, um, but then, you know, four times a year, you could exercise, uh, exercise it three times during a month, which with that, that goes back to first, third and fifth weekends. There are only four or fifth weekends a year. Okay. So that is a way that you could build it in. And then it'd be, like I said, it'd be based on those notice, notice provisions that are determined by the release of your schedule and providing that within a specified amount of time to the other party.
1: Yeah. So it seems just to about clear mm-hmm. as mud, right? It, well, you know, it's, I, it's it's sort of like uh, I, I picture working at a pizza place and trying to schedule things around all the drivers, and then they tell me it's homecoming football this week, you know, no one's going to be there. Um, but it, this the alternative and the flexible schedule really seems to accommodate for the people who, again, do have jobs that we don't know when they're going to be at work or not at work, and no one wants to have their possession time with their kids. When they're uh, otherwise at work but I want to know how flexible this can be let's say you have your notice sent to the other side and you say okay we're gonna have this is my schedule you know for this time and this time let's say mom or dad is a first responder and is going to be maybe uh, called away for some reason for a more extended period of time and they want some you know do can they still I guess my question is going to um, uh, assigning that time to another in the family, so maybe grandparents uh, some you know so it's, it's it's dad's time for example dad's unfortunately away can uh, the kid go with grandma and grandpa on dad's side and do that can those all be built into these flexible schedules as well and um, what do grandparents and other uh, people how are they considered in all this I-
0: Yes, they can be considered like that. Something else that, uh, that is added in a lot of the time when you've got a, a first responder type of situation is you can have what's called a right of first refusal, and uh, that's fairly common. Um, a right of first refusal would be, you know, if, if one parent is going to be away for, you know, could be four hours, could be six, could be eight, could be 12, they have to notify the other parent as, as soon as they know, and that parent has the right to have possession of the kids before the kids are left with anybody else, okay? Um, an easy way, I guess, to answer your question is that everything is negotiable, okay? Once again, this is not anything that is mandated by the Texas Family Code, okay? We're talking about these are all out-of-the-box type of situations. There are some you know, general things that I think a, a lot of family lawyers do and try to do in this regard but everything's negotiable and so so much is dependent upon how well the parties get along because one one thing that um people forget a lot of the time is you know the order that you have in place whether it's a standard possession schedule an expanded possession schedule or a custom possession schedule it's a fallback okay there is language at the very beginning of the possession order that basically says, you know, if the parties don't have some other arrangement, then here's what it is. Okay. So from a personal standpoint, you know, my ex-wife and I got divorced when my daughter was five years old. We went by the standard possession order very infrequently because we found that that was not what was in our daughter's best interest as far as spending time with one another. Okay. We did some stuff that was a little bit more predictable. And, uh, you know, luckily we have a very good relationship and have been able to work with one another. Um, that is not always the case, although plenty of times it is, you know, so the, the important thing to remember is that is all, you know, the, the possession schedule is a fallback. So with remembering that with it being a fallback that generally you need to keep in, keep in mind that if you're, if you're at the fallback of doing something, then generally, then the acrimony is going to be a little higher at that time. So you want something that is easy to understand and that is not going to cause a bunch of fights because it's difficult to, you know, it's difficult to figure out who has what and what the rights are as far as, you know, putting something in place. So simplicity is a good thing. Brevity is a good thing. Um, Getting to your question about, I'll get to your question about, about grandparents here in just a second, but did did that kind of clear that up a little bit?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It all makes great sense because the statute, you know, the family the code is there to fall back on, but again, figuring out yourselves, always a good solution, always best. Right, right. Now,
0: in talking about, about grandparents, okay, um, grandparents really don't have a whole lot of, you know, quote unquote rights. There is Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court law that, come, that has been, you know, in existence for a long time that basically says, you know, parents are the ones that uh, are always – the presumption is that they're going to have the best interests of the kids in, in mind, okay? So basically, if they decide that uh, they don't want to let the kids see the grandparents, they don't have to let the kids see the grandparents. Now, there are exceptions to that, okay? Grandparents can have what is called standing. Under different circumstances, standing is the ability to to sue for the right to either see the kids or to become a conservator of the kids. Okay, when you typically see someone suing to become and they can't sue to become a joint managing conservator, they have to sue to become a sole managing conservator. Now, the time that you see that type of stuff is in a situation where. Mom or dad are, you know, jacked up on drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex addiction. You have something that is that is greatly interfering with their ability to, to properly parent the kids. And, I mean, you know, think about, you know, the really crappy CPS cases that you hear about. Those are the cases that are ripe for that kind of stuff. What it is not is you've got, uh, you know, Bobby and Sue that, uh, you know, haven't seen their grandparents in a year because you've gotten crossways with your folks, you know, your parents aren't going to be able to come in. Well, they, nothing keeps them from filing the lawsuit, but they aren't going to succeed on being able to come in and see the kids uh, unless, you know, they're, they're one of two situations. One is if you've got, um, say, if they were your spouses, uh, your spouse's folks and your spouse died. Okay. If your spouse has died, and now you're not, you know, and they used to spend a a lot of time with their maternal grandparents, and now you've just completely cut them out, Uh, they're going to have standing because of their daughter being, you know, being deceased to bring this. And if they can, you know, show that it would, uh, you know, that keeping them away from from their maternal grandparents is going to significantly impair their, you know, emotional or physical well-being. OK, so so as you can see, it is it is it's really pretty much a desperate situation for uh, a grandparent to actually have standing uh, to do anything. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that grandparents can't be heavily involved, that you can't have stuff written into possession schedules related to grandparents. That happens all the time, like where I just mentioned, you know, this right of first refusal, um, you know, that can, uh, that can be a right of first, refu- quote unquote, right of first refusal if, uh, say, you know, Bobby and Sue aren't going to be left with, uh, the grandparents. Okay. Maybe the grandparents are traveling or they're not available. Then it goes to the other parent to, uh, to have that right of first refusal, uh, which really kind of makes it a right of second refusal, but it wouldn't be turned that way. Uh, So there are all kinds of different ways that that can be that stuff with grandparents is built in. I can tell you, I've got, you know, many, many cases where I've done that and some ongoing cases right now where you've got uh, provisions related to grandparents. I mean, that is just, that's very common. So, but those are two very distinct things. So grandparents actually having standing to do something is very limited. It's very limited uh, and it is very fact specific. So if, you know, if, if grandparents are wanting to wanting to do something, they really need to consult uh, a lawyer. I would strongly suggest a board certified family lawyer in looking at exactly what the factual scenarios and making a determination of whether or not they have standing, or if they're just kind of throwing good money after that. and and in a lot of the time, to- a lot of the time, you know, it's a crapshoot on these things. You know, you might not have better than a fifty fifty field. You just gotta. You know I, I like to try to make sure that my my clients always have an understanding that anytime you go into litigation there's no such thing as an absolute slam dunk or I've seen very few of them and I can't say there never is but there are very few that are because you know you just never know um, what else is going to come up and you never know what um, <clears throat> how you might catch a judge on a particular day you know they're having a really great day they're having a really <laughs> yeah. bad day and you know some some change in their life that's just happened either. To them, a kid, a grandkid, a friend, you know, that can shape their personal viewpoint. So these are all moving targets that there's no way to, you know, absolutely predict what is or what is not going to happen.
1: Yeah, life is never dull, especially with family law. And my last question, we're going to spill a little bit over here in our time, but um, child support and uh, tax Uh, exemptions and deductions and all that um how does texas treat the number because the the background here is uh you know some people from some other neighboring states have their child supports actually a mathematical function of the number of overnights so if we go from a standard possession order to a 50 50 uh or, or something like that how how if at all is child support or tax or those issues affected by the different uh, options out there? Okay. Well, the court didn't get to make any ruling on
0: the tax issues. I mean, that's an IRS issue as far as like the tax exemption. Uh, the tax exemption is – let me back up for just a second. Tax exemption follows the person who has, um, who has the kids the majority of the time. Okay? So, Typically, in a 50-50 situation, you're going to alternate. Someone's going to have it on. Someone else is going to have it in even years, okay? If there is not an agreement, uh, you know, (laughs) then that can end up being something that the IRS will will deal with, although my understanding is they're really not fans of having to do that. Um, As far as what the child support payments are, it depends on the court, but I think what is the most common practice is, there's generally what is called an equalization payment that will be made. Okay. So there someone will be making a child support payment, but it will be, you know, far less. So typically what happens is you look at what the child support obligation would be of each person. So if one person's paying five hundred or would pay five hundred and the other person would pay a thousand. Typically the person who would pay a thousand instead makes an equalization child support payment of five hundred dollars a month to the other person.
1: So there you that's
0: go. typically the way that falls out.
1: So, uh, so this well, one less thing that people should uh, worry about, because I have talked to people who live in other states who say, well, we're going to change, you know, we're looking at changing our um, custody and possession things around, but it's going to affect people's bottom line with money, and the, you know, whenever you mix money with time with children, I just think that's a mess. I don't know why some, you know. Eh. Uh, the the less the less mess the better. But um, anyhow, all right. So there. So I guess the, to wrap this all up, our takeaway is with uh, custody and possession, we can do pretty much whatever we want and negotiate and figure it out and find a way that works well with people and minimize uh, the time that uh, the pick up and drop off um a lot of good points uh today that raised Mark if someone wants to continue this conversation and ask questions with you or uh, maybe they have a situation that they want to modify and change it up uh what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you and get the ball rolling sure the you know you can always send me an email at mark@rulescroggins.com
0: at uh you can also always call me at the office 214-578-0941 and ask for Mark Scroggins And, uh, you know, we'll be happy to help you
1: out. All right. Very good. Again, this is Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins from Rural Scroggins, PLLC in Dallas, Texas, serving Dallas, Denton, and Collin counties. And uh, we will be back next month with more exciting and fun topics and divorce and family law until then everyone be well and go enjoy college football, high school football, and all the good football. And we'll see if uh, Tony Romo can make it or uh, if Dak Prescott is going to be our guy this year, we will, we shall see. One thing is sure. We will not be bored. There you go. All right. All so right much, talk Nick. to you soon. All right. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.